that uh, Florida Beer Blog. Dave uh, did a review on that. And, oh, the, uh, F-B- it's on F-B-B? Twitter, yeah. Dave is the aficionado mm-hmm. of Beer Blog. He is. From Mallory Square in Key West to the Governor's Mansion in Tallahassee and all points beyond, you're listening to the Florida Beer Podcast, powered by FloridaBeerBlog.com, your source for all things related to the craft beer community in the Sunshine State. And now your host, Dave Butler. And welcome to the next episode of the Florida Beer Podcast, powered by FloridaBeerBlog.com. I think we're up to episode nine. And we've got a really interesting episode for you today. We are going to go to Boca first and visit Crazy Uncle Mike's, a brewery and restaurant and concert venue and party place. It's a lot going on there. So we're going to be chatting with them, learning a little bit more about what they do and how they do it. From then, we'll be going to Chops and Hops, a brand new axe-throwing bar in Fort Lauderdale. Yes, it's an axe-throwing bar with quite a nice craft beer list, amongst other things. Finally, we'll be heading to Lauder Ale, who, in a couple of weeks, will be holding their fifth annual homebrewing competition. So we'll talk to them, see how they've been growing in the past five years, and get a little more insight to the competition coming up. Thank you for listening, and enjoy. When traveling down... See, what is this road? This is Federal Highway, right? Yeah, Federal Highway. Don't be afraid of the giant face with the glasses and the handlebar mustache. <laughs> that is my that is Crazy Uncle Mike's, which is a new-ish facility that has just opened, and we are sitting here with Corey, the brewmaster of Crazy Uncle Mike's. How are you? Doing all right, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, before we get started, and if you look on Instagram, you'll see the gorgeous picture of what is this? Nine different beers. I can't yeah. count. Yes. Congratulations. Nine beers. Yeah, because because uh, math is not essential for a brewmaster. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Let's uh, for, before yeah. we even get into the rest, or before we get into Crazy Uncle Mike's, let's let's take a quick trip down these beers. What do we have in front of us? Uh, so you're gonna have you want one at a time or all? Yeah, let's do it one at a time. So you should be drinking the Pilsner right there. Um, it's Czech style pills. We call it licensed to pills. Um, <laughs> hopefully, do hopefully we can do some. Um, intellectual property theft and do a, a Beastie Boys type shirt out of it at some point. Yes. Limited runs. Um, but yeah, it's very standard Pilsner. Uh, we use RO water for it. You know, we go with Prague style, very clean water profile. Mm-hmm. Um, traditional. It takes six weeks to make. It's hard to keep in stock, but I like to have it. All right. So this, I, I'm gonna have to take a step to tell you what it is. Go right ahead. Your list. <laughs> and that's a Belgian wit. Mm-hmm. Uh, called the white riot pretty standard and crisp and clean yeah it's um you know i went low on the spicing Mm -hmm. um i like the orange to come out after like the third sip or so i don't like to beat you over the head with that so uh again very traditional all german malt we do uh full rest and everything on the brew it's (coughs) simple but it's light and refreshing that's probably one of our best sellers right now too because 
it's easy drinking. Yeah, it's very flavorful. I don't think I've had a wit quite so flavor and citrus forward. Is really? that they usually tend to want to go coriander and be very sandpapery. I do a fun version in the winter with cardamom and uh, lemon peel. And it's, it's pretty interesting. And I do a version uh, now and then that I'll release with uh, Buddha hand puree. Um, mm. But I, I like the wit to be just lightly orange and, and simple. It's, it's all about the body and the flavor too. Gotcha. This would be... It's a very interesting aroma on that one. Oh, this is a cool one. So you were saying your friend, you know, you like 26 degrees. I brewed that with them. That's um, Renegades of Funk. It's a Britannomyces Saison. Interesting. Um, with yuzu and, and lemon thyme. Hmm. So if you taste it and you really look for it, it's, it's very subtle, but you get a little bit of that citric, sweet, grapefruit, orange flavor from the yuzu. Yeah. And then a little bit of woodiness that blends great with the uh, the Brett character from the yeast. Um, it's great farmhouse beer, I think. It's light, refreshing, 6%, but... Yeah, utterly fantastic. This would be a session IPA. This one is a session IPA. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the old batch. You guys tasted the fresh one off the tank, and it had just way more aromatics and flavor. Um, so this one's probably getting on the, the four-month rate. But for four percenter, it's it's... You know, they, they don't keep well right. when you have a heavily dry hop 4%. So I, I try to replace it every month or two. Um, the new one, we added those hop oils I was showing you. So mm-hmm. it'll, it'll be a lot juicier, fruitier. But I love it for the alcohol percent on it. You can Drink it crush time. that, yeah. And then we have, oh boy. Don't be a prick. Yeah, the prickly pear. <laughs> I love prickly pear. I, I love, love the color of it. But oh boy, I, it's got a kick like a mule. I am not a sour beer drinker. I don't think it's that sour. It's not. <laughs> um, and I, I love it. I love the balance. We do a margarita out of it too. It's okay. just you get that sweet, a little bit of salt, you know, that sour kick. But I eat Sour Patch Kids like they're yeah. like they're candy because they, they are. I do not. <laughs> but I, I, I definitely, <laughs> I've, I've seen great results with the prickly pear. The last batch, um, we had way more of the prickly pear, and it was on the sweet side. And I wanted to dial that back. I wanted it to be more of a goes and taste that sourness. Right. Yeah, I'm real happy with that beer. It's actually, I run it off the base of our Belgian wit. So I'll, I'll take the yeast. Anytime I brew the Belgian wit, I try to use that same yeast because uh, it gives you that nice haziness and that nice uh, right. body and creaminess. But it's it's a wheat beer. Uh, we do a, a normal Goza, and we do it with the, the salt and a lot of coriander in it. So um, by blowing that through into the next one, you, you just get a really good Goza. Real simple. Interesting. And this was the, uh, probably this, the Goza? Yeah. The one's called Don't Be Salty. But I'm the reference, yeah. yeah. Um, and you get it. Hawaiian pink salt. Mm-hmm. Right. You get that little coriander kick, a little fruitiness. Um, I love Gozas. Just, yeah. It's an interesting style that I'm starting to see some people down here, especially Bing and Banjo, have really sort of grabbed and yeah. right, run right. with it. Um, the one thing I like about ours is I don't use like lactic acid or anything. We, we use uh, lactobacillus platerium and brevis. So I like to do a, a kettle sour over the course of three to four days until I hit pH. Gotcha. And the two strains we're using, we, we got this awesome purveyor called Omega Yeast. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they give you a real soft sourness. And I know you say it kicks like a mule, but if you taste that, it doesn't have like a harsh edge to the sourness. No. It's actually 
pretty it's, rounded. It, um, yeah, and that's from the, the, the Brevis Platerian mix for the souring. And this is Physical Graffiti. Um, obviously, there's a lot of music references in the beers. Mm. We call it Physical Graffiti because it's brewed with primarily cashmere hops. So if you know Led Zeppelin, <laughs> you would get that reference. Right. Um, because yeah. when people think Physical Graffiti, that's the number one song that plays on that album. Yeah. Um, but we use Michigan hops for almost all of our beers, and the cashmere from that is just is just spectacular. And again, that one's getting on the end of its uh, lifespan. Mm -hmm. We got another batch coming up. You taste it from New England. We got coming too. Um, but it holds up. It's a nice, just simple eight percent IPA. Excellent. Yeah. Get the red out. Um, amber ale. Yep. By far my favorite beer to drink here. It's pretty it's clean. Like, it's right down the line. Malty, toes ready, the line. Toasty, yeah. A little bit of chocolate, just yeah, a tiny bit. Tiny. Um, just great English amber. Simple. And then I know the last time that we met when we were setting up this interview, have you done your Irish car bomb with your Irish stuff? I have not done that yet. I haven't had a day off. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe the night when I get off, but I have to brew tomorrow. So uh, this is the Roger right, that so Irish stuff. We stout. definitely can't I, do it I, today. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Irish stuff. Yeah. I'm sure you can edit all that. Actually, doing well, that. for those of you that are listening to the podcast that remember the time that the iguana came back to life when we were at Three Sons, <laughs> this should be no problem. Beautiful but, new brew house. Oh, yeah, it's gorgeous. It's awesome, awesome but, yeah, place. A couple people are trying to play the uh, Bimini string game, which yeah. I'm, I'm almost well, good at. They're on the clock, too, which <laughs> oh, really well. confuses me. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I'm surprised so. they didn't have a beer in their hand while they did it. Um, but, yeah, that was a Roger that stout, you know. We do have the Bimini game up there. I, I love the uh, brass rings. So. Nice. You know. So, crazy Uncle Mike, and I did meet Uncle Mike. He is not here right now, but there is an actual Uncle Mike that you are not. Yeah, um, how ahead. did he come to build this place? How did you get on board with it? So he's out of Vegas. He was running, uh, he was like senior VP with a hard rock out there. He's owned a lot of nightclubs. And then somehow he ended up at Hard Rock Punicana in um, the DR. Comes up here and decides he wants to open something to retire on. And he wanted to do something with beer. He likes beer. By no means is he a heavy drinker. Um, but he likes beer and the, the science and the craft behind it. So he went to his contractor, who owns a brewery, Nobo, and asked okay. for references. And they knew I was coming back from Denver working at um, a brewery, Copper Kettle, out there. And I was returning to Florida and looking for a little piecemeal work. I was over at Prosperity helping them open up. Mm -hmm. And I was helping Bosa and Miami open up at the same time. And, um, you know, we talked, and he brought me on board, and then... You know, we worked for about a year and a half to design and build the place, and here we are now, starting to get some beers out. And uh, so, what were you doing here before you left for Colorado? Before I left for Colorado, I was running a, uh, a Belgian beer bar in Jupiter. Um, the owner he, he imports uh, Duchesse de Bourgogne and Saint Bernard's and some other things, and. He decided he wanted to just jump out of that and go back into his full distributorship. It was kind of a side project, but 
you know, I was selling some craft beer, and then before that, I was uh, brewing at Copper Point Brewing for about two years. So, excellent. You know, it's always beer. Before that, it was, it was uh, I, I ran probably about eight, nine years. I was running a homebrew store in Lake Worth with, I think we had 16 craft beer taps. You know, and mm. not not for nothing, we were one of the first people selling things like Dogfish Head 120 and Worldwide Stout. So, well, and you, you know. being the home brewer supply store, you met a whole lot of people that are now the heavyweights in yeah, man, South Florida craft it's beer. It's cool to see it, like. You know, people that were buying, it's, they've opened up Nobo Brewing, Civil Society, Matthews Brewing, um, 26 Degrees, Due South. All those guys came through on a regular basis to buy ingredients. The owner of Devour Brewing used to work with me there. Um, oh, cool. The Ukapal guys, we brewed together on their little stout pilot system. You know, so a lot of brewers came, came out of that place because we were the only one in South Florida for so long. You know, <laughs> Funky Buddha put their homebrew store in probably about five years after we started doing yeah. homebrew and craft beer. Um, but I think we had a, a pretty deep selection, so we still kept our, our core base of people. So it was cool. So. Yeah. so describe Crazy Uncle Mike's for somebody who has been driving by and never built up the bravery to come inside. Don't let the giant sign fool you. It's a, fun, <laughs> it's a cool sign. There's a giant neon beacon that night. Like, you can't miss the place. Oh, um, but it's cool. Uh, it's a concert venue. It's a restaurant. It's a craft cocktail and whiskey bar. And it's a brewery all in one. So, you know, it, doing something that I haven't seen anywhere else. Mm -hmm. uh, we do live music four to five nights a week. And we bring in relatively large bands. Our audio system's huge. Um... Eventually, you'll start seeing some, you know, really cool beer dinners and stuff. You know, we're waiting to bring in the beer pairings and stuff until I do all the barrel age program. And every time we get a barrel age done with, say, one of my partners at Tallmore or Buffalo Trace or any of these distilleries, we'll have a, you know, the beer, a cocktail, uh, the beer aged on that liquor, and then something else paired with the food, and then we'll have fun with that. But, you know, we do a little bit of everything. Excellent. A little bit of everything. And you have some pretty, you have some cool regular events that go on. You have a drunk spelling bee, right? Yeah, we, we <laughs> right now we're, we're building more and more. We do drunk spelling bee. We're starting our, we're starting to roll out our bunch program. Um, okay. So, you know, you get your bomb list, your mimosas, mimos and stuff like that. Um, we'll probably bring in trivia or something like that soon, too. Cool. Uh, but we want to build one thing at a time. So as we're getting into the fun stuff, we just want to make sure each one's working properly before we move to the next. Uh, you know, right now we're all three sitting out in this cool beer garden we just built. That's yeah, fantastic. And we're going to start using this for ancillary events. Um, no, so. I want to sit out here and smoke a cigar and drink. Yeah, a lot of people do. Um, it's gorgeous out here for the people who don't, who can't see us or feel how comfortable the weather is. Right. It's actually but, uh, a gorgeous, gorgeous day in South yeah. Florida, which we do not get that and, often. You know, down the road, I actually want to start doing a, a whiskey beer flight special weekly. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, I, I'm kind of inspired by the guys at CWS and this, this dude, Bill Binder, who every day, this is your cigar and whiskey pairing, or your beer and cigar and whiskey pairing. Um, I'd like to see that out here because it's a great place to be doing it. So, Excellent. you know, and we have a lot of whiskey, so... <laughs> How many different whiskeys do you have? Uh, right now, I'm, I'm getting up to, to 60, I think. Mm. Um, 
you know, we're heavy on the American bourbon, and I've been expanding the scotch list. Um, but bourbons and ryes are really our strong point right now. Excellent. You know, every now and then they let me bring in a, a couple specialty uh, one-offs or, you know, rare selections like Pappy Van Winkle and such. So, mm, nice. it's pretty cool. Since you've been doing beer in South Florida for so long, how have you seen the incredible growth of the craft beer scene down here? Oh, it's, it's just great. It's, it's, it's blowing up. Miami is obviously the, the big growth factor right now. Uh, you know, I, I believe we're in probably what I'd call the third wave. You know, so now we're starting to get some experienced people that understand the, the, um, you know, the fads and what's cool and what's hip and what's new. Mm-hmm. And we're get when we started off, I think it was very simple. You know, IPAs, lagers, you know, a couple sweeter beers, you know, that people would, you know, the general public would convert to. Um, and finally, we're accepting craft beer, you know, between the world of beers and the breweries and everything. Because if, if you were here, you remember 10 years ago, this was Bud Light Town, and it was a hard conversion. It was in the butt, like, and we're finally there. So, sky's the limit. You've seen a lot of, like, really interesting and fun guys, like, you know, the Wakefields and the Odd Breeds and the um, Invasive Species dudes putting out, like, just... Edge pushing drinks. Do you see a lot of that growth coming from the fact that you're so close to Florida Atlantic University, or is it more the community, the the, year-round community coming? The growth is because of the vacuum. There's there's room to grow here. We're a completely new market. So, you know, for me at at least, if I were going to open a business, you know, why would you open a brewery in in Denver or San Diego when there's 150 to 180 in each town? Tampa as well. Yeah. When you come to this market, and West Palm Beach has what, fifteen? Yeah. Tops. I think, according to the the There's map that they people. just released, it's nineteen in the in the county. Yeah, in Palm Beach County, and that's yeah. all the way up to. And Palm Beach County is a very wide county. Right? Yeah. With a lot of people, so it's just it's it's too good of a market, and there's there's <laughs> room for more. Um, you know, I I don't think you can cram us as tight as you do. Um, in Denver or a, a tight city like San Diego because it's more of a suburban sprawl but there's a lot of room here to play and then Miami you can you could probably pack it in and do fine um, and those guys are definitely doing that I don't know what their numbers are like but you, know, you got guys like MIA just killing it out there Wynwood and Concrete Beach Lincoln's mm. Beard's still my favorite down there I haven't been there yet they're weird <laughs> I liked um, for Miami is it, it's not Tank um the Abbey? The Abbey. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Abbey, awesome. those, those guys do some awesome stuff. Ray, they work with the 26 guys, yeah. and I really like what they put out. Ray is a trip. If, if I, never met them, never, never been there. I've just had the beers. I love what they if do. If I manage to get Ray on the podcast, I'm going to need to just spend the entire time talking to him because he has seen everything in craft beer in South Florida. Oh, yeah? I re- I've been begging him to write a book for quite some time. I'll tell <laughs> you. It's right. phenomenal. I feel like I got some stories now because watching this stuff grow. Um, <laughs> and you go south of that, even the Keys. Like my buddy Craig, uh, he's, he's from up here actually. He opened Florida Keys Brewing. Okay. Um, even those guys are crushing. And there's there's not a lot of people in the Keys, but it's doing great. So yeah. it's good to see. It's good to see all these guys like 
doing it. They liked doing well, I think, it. I think brew hub, our brew hub helped a lot with that too. Though. Helped a lot of people. Because they, they got a lot of the small breweries in grocery stores. Brew hub, I mean, they helped Cigar City at first. Yeah. Definitely. And Cigar City, you know, whatever. They're Oscar Blues now. They're national. They're big guys. It's like the best style I've ever drank. Right. Um, but they, they built Florida beer, in my mind. It wasn't Funky Buddha that no. the Florida beer. It was Cigar Stadium was highlight because yeah. they made beer cool down here. Right. Um, so Wayne Wambles, Justin, and um, Phil Palmasio, hats off to you guys because yeah. they killed it. They absolutely they, they led the they led the first charge and they were good. I mm. think that's what helped us. So. But yeah, yes. Marsh Zukov. Oh my god. <laughs> and not only that, they're they're the Florida Beer Fest, you know. Everyone wants to be Dark Lord Day and Hunapu Day is uh it's it's pretty it's, epic, man. They've been getting better every year, so it's cool stuff. Nice. Yeah, short of Maple Bacon Coffee Porter Day out in Oakland Park. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything like that around anywhere. here. No, I don't think anyone down here maybe I don't know if Wakefield does a big fest. It'd probably be hard to do. No, in, they do um, Wakefest. They yeah, but as far as numbers, I don't know if it matches yeah, I don't like know. maple bacon. Funky Buddha built such a big brand, and, yeah. and you know, the the next people I think to get like a big fest, it's gonna be some society. You know Agreed. I mean? um, they they already do big on their anniversaries and stuff. And if you drink New England, you know them. Right. It's Pretty how much. it works, you know. Um, I like a good New England. I like a, a glass of fresh, so I can see that. But there's it's like catching. Um, Grease lightning, man, on these beer fests. It's so many good breweries out here, and you have to have that brand and that image and that fun vibe to make it work. Well, I mean, you better know some people up at Trillium or uh, right. Three Floyds because <laughs> that's really seems to be part of the deal. Um, I don't know. I've never seen a place with a vibe quite like this. So this is different, man. It's different. I think you know you should come here when we're packed on like tonight around nine when the band starts. It changes. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully by the end of the year when we capture that that core market and we have our, our core regulars in the demographic that we want to hit, um, it'll just get cooler. And then we can do more. We can have more fun. And like I said, over the next eight months, I, I'm hoping to have you know another six to ten taps that are all collaboration or barrel aids. So then we could start catering to the beer drinkers a little better. Um, like I said in our little tour earlier, we got four unit tanks. It's it's very hard to keep up with the ten to twelve beers that we have right now. But um, if we're diligent, we'll we'll have some really cool beers that you wouldn't expect from a restaurant. So. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Ordinarily, I do not sound out of breath when I do interviews, but I've been throwing an axe for the past 10 minutes, which is a remarkably good upper body workout. <laughs> and I am doing that at the brand new Chops and Hops Axe Throwing Bar. And I'm here with two of the three partners for this really awesome new facility in Fort Lauderdale, Ryan and... Sorry, Chase. Chase, my handwriting is horrible. It's I apologize. all good, man. Gentlemen, how are you? <laughs> really good. Um, axe throwing? When, when did this become a thing? I'm used to darts and, and <laughs> cornhole and not axes. 
So axe throwing has been big for a while in Canada and over the past five years it's kind of crept down slowly starting in the northeast and down south and west. Um, we did it for the first time about a year and a half ago and once we did it once we realized that this was something that we had to do uh, professionally and bring it down uh, here to South Florida. So here we are. Awesome. And you're from the area. I was going to say this is a very new concept in Florida, pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we're one of a few that have opened in South Florida, um, a few more uh, north of us, but uh, we'll be the first one that we know of in the country that's doing a full liquor bar. Um, but yeah, as, as far as the concept goes, um, we think we're the most fully evolved, but also uh, we just our hospitality guys that love that showing decided to open a place. And Fat Village, this this place has really seen a major revitalization in the past couple of years. Do you see yourself as wanting to be a part of that revitalization or? Absolutely. Um, we've grown up in this area our entire lives. We've seen it go from a place where you wouldn't, uh, wouldn't have your car doors unlocked. It would be, I guess, a good way to put it to now a place that's kind of like a burgeoning, urban, walkable community with a great arts district um, and hopefully more food and entertainment venues like ourselves. And we kind of pride ourselves on hopefully putting our stamp and our mark on what the neighborhood turns into as it continues to evolve over the years. Now, how difficult was it to open up an axe, not only an axe throwing facility, but one that has beer, wine, and a full liquor bar? How... <laughs> Well, is that a process? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a process. Um, we obviously had our, our normal uh, construction woes and uh, challenges along the way. Um, I, I would like to think that we made those challenges into opportunities, uh, but we kind of started as a beer and wine concept, evolved into a full liquor concept based on how much space we had and based on what we thought the community needed. Um, but. Uh, to answer your question shortly, uh, while it was difficult, it's it's been totally worth it. And I think anyone that walks into the space is amazed with how the build-out came out, amazed that um, this is in this area, uh, and excited. Because it's just a, an exciting activity and an exciting space. It really is a lot of fun. Now, how do the ranges actually work, especially when alcohol is involved? Obviously, people can't just <laughs> come in off the street and have an axe next to them at the bar while they're having a beer. Yeah, so um, <laughs> axe, axe throwing is uh, primarily by reservation only. So we want to be identified not only as the awesome place where I get to throw weapons at targets, um, but we also want to be identified as a really awesome bar. So in order to accomplish that in a safe environment, you have someone that we call an expert who's with you the but whole time. Yep, <laughs> exactly. They're with you the whole time. Um, they're actually your alcohol server as well. So they're monitoring consumption of anyone that's throwing axes. And if there's any red flags, obviously pulling that red flag, throwing it at the ground when necessary. But uh, we, we keep a very safe environment. We have a, a strict set of rules um, while keeping it very fun for the guests. So while it is encouraged to consume alcohol um, and throw axes because that makes it that much more fun, um, it's also uh, required that we do it in a safe environment. Okay, and let's talk about that alcohol, specifically the beer, obviously, because um, you've got a great set of taps behind the bar. And how much of that do you keep within the state of Florida in terms of sourcing? 
So right now we're sourcing probably about 75% of our beer from the state of Florida, um, mostly even more local here to South Florida. Um, but thankfully the community has responded in our first week and a half of being open and they've shown us that about 90% of our sales are coming from the state of Florida. Interesting. So, um, what kind of, um, what kind of breweries? So we have everything from Funky Buddha, Cigar City, to the much more hyper-local stuff that we're really proud of, like Gulfstream, um, and hopefully eventually our neighbors at Invasive Species as well. Uh, so we, as small business owners and people who uh, don't necessarily have the means of, of some of the bigger players, we like to support the people who are in similar circumstances to us, particularly when they're making such great beer. And South Florida is turning into such a great beer community. Uh, even though we're a little bit late to the game compared to other areas of the country, um, the people who are doing it and opening are fantastic and we want them to be a part of our concept moving forward. Excellent, excellent. Um, and obviously there's much more than just beer here cocktail-wise. Do you have anything interesting on the books? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look at yeah. Each other so our cocktail list is um, built around the idea of approachable to the masses but complex enough for the connoisseur. So um, everything is, is very balanced and while we do have uh, a handful of very spirit forward and um, more complex ingredient-wise uh, cocktails, um, everything is drinkable for everybody, and um, so far uh, we haven't had anything but really great response um, from the cocktail list. So, yeah, we're, we're pretty happy with it. We also think we're the most reasonably priced place in town to get drinks. So all of our beers are $7 or less, um, which for some of these craft local beers that run more expensive than the traditional Bud Lights and Miller Lights that you see in a lot of places, uh, $7 for a pint uh, or less is, is pretty good. Uh, we have beer starting at five bucks. Um, our cocktail list, uh, nine to $10 for our menu cocktails and our wells start at $6. And all of our stuff is good quality. We don't skimp anywhere. Um, so you'll see stuff like Bacardi as one of our well drinks. Like Bacardi is typically a call brand at most bars, but for mm -hmm. us, we wanna step up the quality and make sure that no matter what you're getting or drinking here, you're getting something that's quality that's at a good price. Yeah, there's there's really no such thing as a well spirit in our bar. Everything is really a house spirit. Um, we're very proud of the brands that we carry, and uh, we don't just want to beat everybody in town pricing-wise. We want to beat them on quality, too. And uh, even though most businesses don't operate that way, we know that goodwill in that way with the community is going to help us build business long-term. Excellent. Uh, and since you've just opened, obviously, this is something much further down the line, but what sort of events do you think you'll look at having in the near future? So our initial kind of response from the community has been that corporate events are going to be a big thing for us. Um, it was something that we thought we were going to have to work for to really push and try to grow and develop that business because, you know, you wouldn't think that a, an office full of an accountants or attorneys would be cool having a happy hour axe throwing. But we've actually found it's quite the opposite. Um, they were kind of our first early adopters, the big corporate events that wanted to do fun things or things that were different from the usual. Um, and we certainly fit that bill. So we've gotten a tremendous amount of outreach there. But the thing I think we're kind of proudest of right now that we've been working on for a while and we're gonna be debuting starting next week is our Sunday brunch. And that's something that's gonna be super unique, uh, unlike anything you've seen in town. Um, 
We have a bottomless cocktail menu that we are doing for $20 a person. Uh, I've never seen bottomless cocktails <laughs> anywhere down here. I don't, maybe, maybe they exist, but uh, we haven't seen it. So that's something that's gonna be pretty unique and cool. Uh, brunch food trucks uh, curated um, by us uh, along in uh, partnership with the food truck operators themselves. Lawn games, just a lot of fun. So I think the biggest thing we try to do here is we try to have fun. We have fun every day when we come into work. We want to make sure everyone who steps foot through these doors um, has as good, if not better time than, than we do. Yeah, and uh, just to touch on brunch uh, with another detail, um, on Thursday through Saturday, we throw axes. On Sunday, we throw a party. So um, while we are closing down axe throwing for Sundays, it's not because we don't want people to throw axes. It's because we want people to come in and enjoy the bar program for exactly what it is. And uh, it's important to us that we're identified as a local bar, a local hangout, a place where you can come in, even if you're not throwing axes, and have a really great time. So while we're going to have a ton of activities with cornhole and bocce ball and darts and all kinds of different um, party games. Live music. Live music every week. Um, it, it's going to be a giant party and a really good time for anybody that comes to participate. Awesome. Do you have any hints for somebody who is interested in going axe throwing for the first time before they come <laughs> in? What would you tell them? Wear closed toed shoes <laughs> and uh, we'll take care of the rest. Uh, <laughs> our staff has gotten so good and efficient at getting someone to stick axes in the first 15 20 minutes um it's it's borderline amazing and i kind of wish that they were around when i was learning because it was more of a learning curve but uh yeah if you guys are in the proper attire and all that really is is closed toed shoes you're gonna come in and have a great time we're gonna make sure of it pretty sure i got a bullseye what the fourth throw that i did yeah it was, it was either the third or the fourth but you were a nice. natural for sure nice. <laughs> I, I cannot wait to come back um if people are interested in getting more information where should they go check out the website um it's chopsandhopsfl.com uh we're obviously on facebook and social media definitely look us up check us out uh we have a pretty good following and we try to be fun and creative with that too <laughs> interesting <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you so much. I will let you get back to your axe throwing ranges. Yeah, man. Thanks. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. If you have been reading Florida Beer Blog for as long as I've been writing it, you will know that my first interview was at Lauder Ale, which is right by Port Everglades in Fort Lauderdale, with the owner. Kyle Jones, who at the time only had four taps and a row of old refrigerators to use for fermentation tanks. In those five years, they have grown significantly. So, and on April 27th, they're gonna be having their fifth annual homebrew competition. So it's a good time as any to catch up with Kyle and the gang. How's everybody doing? Great. Doing great. Okay, we'll do a quick round robin as to who we have with us. Hi, I'm Janae Jensen, Director of Marketing and Events. I'm Dominic Vendetti, Director of Brewing Operations. And Kyle Jones, and I do everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Just mentioned you, actually. So, in the five years that Water Ale has been around, it's grown quite a bit. Yes, yeah, I mean, it's been uh, a never-ending expansion. We started with a one-barrel system, uh, three-vessel, 
uh, electric fired system. We had an ice maker to chill the work. So we would uh, dump buckets of ice into the uh, mash tun when it was empty. And uh, a few months after that, we bought a few more refrigerators. And then six months to 12 months after that, we went to a one barrel and we bought four one barrel tanks. And then we got some seven barrel tanks. And it just seems like every year we've added more equipment. We've changed the configuration of the bar. And this is the last expansion. You know, we've said that every single time, but seriously, like we're out of space, you know, this has got to be it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's always been intriguing to see the location because you are so close to the port. And if you've never been to Lauder Ale, you almost get to the point where you have to show ID, but you make a U-turn at just the last minute. Has that helped or hindered Lauder Ale's growth? I'd say a little bit of both. I mean, it's it's definitely a topic of conversation at the very least. You know, we even named a beer after it called I Got Lost on the Way Here, which we're brewing again pretty soon. Um, but, you know, it became this yeah, um, escape from the downtown crowd. A lot of the locals come here for that reason in particular. And it's one of those places that you might not know where it is until you find it. And then once you do find it, then you're like, oh, that place is awesome. So. I think it's definitely been beneficial in the long run. And system-wise, obviously, past the one-barrel system, which you don't have anymore. Somebody who purchased that system? Prosperity. Prosperity. I think they're in Boca, it. yeah. And I think they have since sold it off to somebody okay. else, if I'm correct. But what are you working with right now in terms of system and taps? And uh, we got a three-barrel system now. Um, we are about to have a total of 15 fermenters. And at some point when everything's hooked up, we will also have eight bright tanks, I believe, six of them being serving tanks in the future. Um, and we are up to about almost 30 taps right now, 30 total, but with uh, ciders and stuff, it's more like 27. Yep. With six serving tanks, what beers are going to be in those generally? Will you have cores or are you, okay. Well, Most likely our cores, the ones that sell the best. Um, Sea Porter yeah. is our best seller almost always, year-round even, which is surprising considering it's such a hot environment down here that a porter sells year-round like it does. But we also have like Lunch Money and Gulfstream and a couple other beers that we can tend to keep on like Monkey Road. So the ones that we go through the most and try to keep on most consistently will probably be the ones in the serving tanks. Interesting. And obviously working our way to the homebrew competition. You've done a number of awesome events here, and I still remember very fondly a couple years ago the yeast mm -hmm. beer event. Project Yeast. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. What was that, and are you going to do something like that again? So it's funny that you mentioned that because we were just talking about that in this morning's meeting, and uh, we'd love to do it again. You know, uh, unfortunately, we've grown to a point where it's very difficult to to break, you know, one batch up into four or eight smaller batches. We were lucky enough back then to have these, you know, pretty massive chest freezers, and we just, you know, we were brewing on a one-barrel system, so we split those into five-gallon carboys, and it was pretty easy to pitch, you know, four or five, or actually the first time, eight different strains of yeast. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just don't have the equipment to do it now like we did in the past. So uh, it's not as easy to do and we're probably gonna move on from that, but we're always doing like new and, and different things. So I'm sure that we'll find something pretty cool to replace it. You know, we ended up kind of transitioning into Project Dry Hop, 
which was uh, the same uh, the same concept, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess we explained it so everybody will know like what it was, right? We split mm -hmm. one batch eight ways and used eight eight different strains of yeast, and then uh, everybody got to try it and see the difference that yeast makes just by changing one ingredient, right? It was really neat. We got a lot of good feedback and uh, input from the uh, from our customers. Yeah, it's still one of the best things that I... Yeah, were you here for the first one? I was here for the first yeah, one. And yeah. it was the most informative event that I've ever been to when it comes to beer. Still. It's still... I wow. Because it, it's... I think it was such a raw examination of one specific ingredient. One that doesn't get a whole lot of attention. Because mm -hmm. obviously everybody knows the hops. Mm -hmm. And then I think a lot of people start to look at the malt. But yeast really is not... No. Right. Mm -hmm. That's really cool to hear. Yeah. Maybe we'll buy a chest freezer and do it again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all we need is a chest freezer, right? Yeah. And like, some cardboards and buckets. Yeah. Sweet. Or just get the ice machine. Yeah. <laughs> Keep that going. Exactly. Um, so I guess that leads to the homebrew competition, which is the fifth annual, annual homebrew competition. Can you yeah. give some details on that? Yeah. Our homebrew competition is probably one of the biggest ones that we do here um, on site, biggest events anyway. Um, we get probably what do we have signed up now uh, right now we have 12 brewers signed up brewers signed and up. we get you know anywhere a couple hundred people come through here to sample right I think last year we had maybe close to like 50 beers 40 to wow. 50 different beers everybody brings two or three and we had you know I think 15 last year mm -hmm. so right around 50 beers to sample yeah. This year we got it um, BJCP sanctioned, so it will be officially a BJCP event and mm -hmm. judged, so we got a little stricter on the rules this time, but it kind of gives a little bit more value to the event itself. We have these awesome awards you can hear clanking around. Um, and then, of course, the winner of the, awesome. the that portion of the event gets to be brewed here and sold here on site right. um, for our anniversary for our anniversary right. and then we also have the people's choice portion of the event where the winner gets um, a portion of the ticket sales and cash so mm -hmm. cash prizes beer prizes it's just a really fun event for those local home brewers that are trying to get their name out or just having some fun so I think it's rained every single year <laughs> since we've had it so this is going to be the first year that it doesn't rain yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, you know, it's actually made it quite fun, you know, and I think it's maybe worked to our advantage because in the past there haven't been a lot of other events going on when it's raining and people are like, what do we do? And they're like, oh, well, Lauderdale's having their homebrew competition and it's always, you know, been a fun event, you know, people kind of walking around barefoot and, you know, I think we had like Tent City built out here last year, people bringing tents out of their cars like mm -hmm. they didn't even know they needed. It was really cool to see all like the tents and everything. But. <laughs> and they'll be coming here to brew with you, or are you going to be brewing their recipe? Uh, we will definitely be brewing their winning recipe. Um, I believe they will also come yeah. in and get to shadow us and throw in some hops or do a little something to join in on the process. Definitely, yeah. I mean, they're certainly a big part of like the recipe formulation process. And then every year they've been here and just you know brewed with us, so. You know, unless there's like some scheduling conflict, you know, they'll definitely be here. And obviously you've had to do this yourself professionally, but does it get difficult to have an award-winning recipe that you then have to scale up for a three-barrel system? Uh, anytime you're scaling a recipe, there's always a chance that it's going to slightly change. Being on different equipment even sometimes can have a small effect. Hmm. Um, and in most cases, when you go from 
homebrew size to a production scale size, there's a lot of factors that come into play with ratios of the grain and um, what efficiency your system actually runs at. So my hop additions might have to change a little bit because we might get more bittering out of ours than the home brewers did. Mm -hmm. And same thing with the grain amounts, we might have a better efficiency with the runoff than they do. So there is slight adjustments here and there, but we try to dial it in as close as we can to the original. Excellent. Uh, in the past, what kind, what, I guess, what styles of recipes have won? Not to give any hints out. I believe last year was uh, English Bitter or um, English Mild. mild. Yeah. An English Mild, yeah. Last year. That is a style that's really making a comeback in Florida, I've noticed. Yeah. Huh. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I mean we had a, we've had an English style bitter on for for a while, and we're kind of happy that we don't have it anymore. So it's interesting. We just that, brewed it again. Yeah, maybe. Oh, we did. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, maybe that's why it's coming back. We've we've shown the world like you know what a good English bitter is like, right? Mm -hmm. So what I guess home brewers are as of right now slated to come to the event. Okay, so, so I know some of the names. Yeah, so we've got twelve of them signed up, and uh, I know that we have. Uh, I believe it's called uh, M. I. Peterson. Okay. Uh, Taylor Made will be here, and uh, my computer's frozen, so I'm trying to talk slow yeah, until it unfreezes. Uh, let's see, Doctor Zerdog, <laughs> Brewster Artisan Ales, Illside Brewing, Paradise Brewing Company, Blue Leopard Brewing. SoFlow Brewery, Tie-Dye Brewing, Workshop Ales, and we have an N.A. Okay. Is that a... Uh, wild card. Wild card, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring down Chris Johnson and just have him kind of join in for nothing. It's <laughs> kind of watch everybody freak out. But that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. We know we just had like a little American Home Brewers Association rally here over the weekend, and there were some people from uh, like MASH, uh, the guy that mm -hmm. won the coconut cup uh, thinking about entering and there was a couple people here that were you know had some interest so we're gonna cut it off at 15 which means there's only three spots and then <coughs> the deadline is April 13th gotcha yeah excellent yeah. and if people want to come but not actually brew anything tasting tickets are sold at the door and how much uh, I think it's 20, 25 or 35. Mm -hmm. It's right here on this it's little It's 35 flat. to enter your beer, your 25 right. it's not your on taste, here. I believe. Uh, but I have it here. It's not right. 25 to taste. Yeah. Right. And normally what we do for our Mug Club members is we give them like a little bit of a discount. So if you're a Mug Club member, I think we'll do like 20 bucks. Yeah. Excellent. Yep. Uh, past that, what other sorts of things do you have coming down the pipeline because every single time I see you I always have to ask as to what the next shipwreck series beer is going to be so uh, <laughs> the next thing that we're going to do is we're going to can um, I'm not sure what the next shipwreck series beer is yet um, but as far as cans go we're going to have a uh, double dry hopped monkey road red oh, nice. come out monkey road is uh, one of our top five selling beers it's like a, like a red IPA it's a uh, an Irish red that turned into an IPA, I guess. We dry hopped it with Simcoe. <laughs> it was once a gold medal uh, winning beer at Great American Beer Festival, and the recipe was passed on to us by, uh, uh, gosh, what's that Irish bar out west? Um, Finn, Finn McCool's yeah. was the name of the recipe. Um, God, I can't remember what it 
is, but it's been there forever. That Beatles cover band plays there. I, th I think I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, the, the Field. Okay. The Field Irish Pub. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's right down the road. Actually. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So we have the Double Dry Hopped Monkey Road Red, and then we were going to do Lunch Money again, which is our top-selling IPA. And then we were thinking about, for the anniversary, to release uh, Indigenous Bastard, which is our top-selling IPA right now, pretty much. Yeah. And we do have some of the uh, shipwrecked bottles that we've been saving that might make a special appearance at the anniversary as well. Nice. Yeah. All right. And if people are interested in getting more information on all of this, where's the best place for them to go? To our website, lauderale.co. Yep, lauderale.co, and then of course we're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> Where else? Untapped, Beer Advocate, Rate Beer. I mean, just Google Lauderale Brewery and you're going to find us. Excellent. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay, thanks, guys. Thank Florida Beer Podcast is a production of FloridaBeerBlog.com. Find us at FloridaBeerBlog.com, on social media at FloridaBeerBlog on Instagram and Twitter, or at FLBeerBlog on Facebook, or you can write to us directly at FloridaBeerBlog at gmail.com. Our intro announcer is Jeff Brozovich. Today's music comes courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions, and you can find these songs and more at Sessions.Blue. Thank you to today's guests, and if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe, rate us, and leave a review on your podcasting app of choice. Helps others find this podcast as well. We'll see you soon, and thank you for listening. Drink Florida Craft. you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.